This is the Handmade Brooklyn Podcast, episode 20. Handmade Brooklyn Business Lifestyles Tips to Succeed Hey guys, welcome to Handmade Brooklyn. My name is Megan Bream Finkelstein. I'm an award-winning entrepreneur and I am here to help you succeed in your small business. Thank you so much for joining me. This this is a big episode. It's episode 20, which is amazing. I this time last year I can't even imagine if you had said start a podcast, I would have been like, who has time for that? What? The reason I have time for it now is that um, I am officially closing my business, MSC Skincare and Home. And I promised you guys last episode that I would not get emotional or I would try not to get emotional. So I'm going to try really hard not to do that. But I want to start off with um, this happened or this is happening a lot sooner than I had originally planned. Um, Last year, 2015, my husband and I decided that we were going to move upstate. We were going to actually leave Brooklyn and I had to decide what I was going to do about my business. And actually our plan was to move in towards the end of 2017 because of, you know, it was just, we planned to buy a house and it would not be easy to just be like, okay, let's move upstate to a place we've never been and buy a house and be happy and life will be amazing. So we originally planned 2017, but the more we talked about it and the more that we had decided that this was our goal, we started to give ourselves permission to say that, you know, New York City is amazing, but it's not really what we want anymore. And I don't think that either of us would have even considered the notion of saying that out loud because this was our plan. This is what we worked so hard for when I was in college at Pittsburgh and Steve moved there for me. He's from Cincinnati. Um, And then we moved down to Myrtle Beach for a year. And the whole plan was to get up to New York. And we did that. And we've lived here for nearly eight years. It was like the dream that we had, that we were living was, it wasn't enough anymore. And so when we started to think that and allow ourselves to say that to each other, much less ourselves, we decided that, okay, um, we're going to move this up and we're going to leave at the end of 2016 instead of the end of 2017. So we're going to push it up a year, which is terrifying and exciting and I'm really excited about it. But then it came to, okay, what am I going to do with my business? Well, if we move upstate, I can probably get a store. Wouldn't that be, no, that's not amazing. I don't want a store. That would be way too much work. Okay. Well then I'll start looking at industrial space up where we're moving. Well, seems like a hassle. 
how is this going to work? Do I have to get a separate moving truck? Do I have to get a separate moving company? Does the moving company have to first stop at my studio and then do my apartment or my apartment and then my studio and move all that up? And then how's this all going to work? And then I started listening to podcasts and this was during the time that I was doing Birchbox. And if you've never heard of Birchbox, it's a subscription box that delivers beauty samples to its subscribers. So you can try out new beauty brands or new products and you know, there's small sample sizes, but they're generous. Uh, they call them deluxe sample sizes. And it had always been a goal of mine to work with them. I just felt like that was something that, you know, the big companies did, and I wanted to do that too. But if their minimum is 50,000 samples, you have to deliver a minimum of 50,000. And I had talked them down to 42,000, which doesn't even sound like what's the difference when it comes down to it. But I had agreed that for the December 2015 box, I would deliver 42,000 units of this body oil that I made for free. That's another glutton for punishment discussion, I guess. Um, but I don't even know why I did it this way. I can't explain to you the reasoning. Hey, like, I know I'm taking a lot of pauses in this episode and it's not, it's not for drama. It's more like trying to just, figure out what was happening in my brain at that time. But I made this deal with them in, let's say, I think April. So that gave me a long lead time to produce these samples. And I did them all by myself. I was the only one that filled these vials, that put them in, you know, like the trifold perfume cards, that put them in boxes, that shipped them off. It was me. It was just me. I filled them all by hand. I did it all by hand because I'm a lunatic. That was the stupidest thing I've ever done. I should have just outsourced that and ate the cost. It took me all summer. It took me like, I'd say five months because I stuffed them all with the body oils, the full-size body oils, have um, lavender pieces in them, and it's really pretty. And I wanted the samples to do that too. So first, all of the forty-two thousand vials had to have lavender buds stuffed in them, and then they had to be filled with oil, and then they had to be capped, and then they had to be put in the cards. And I did that all by myself. So you can see sometimes that I'm pretty stupid. I hope that I've changed since then. I hope that that was like hitting bottom for me. And so I never do that again. But during that time, obviously I had a lot of time on my hands to listen. And so I started listening to podcasts and I started with, saw this blog post somewhere of like top podcasts for entrepreneur, female entrepreneurs. And the Lively show was on there with Jess Lively started listening to her and really liked her. So I kept listening. And one episode she had Pat Flynn on of Smart Passive Income. 
And, oh my God, that was just, I was addicted then. I listened to, like, months and months of Smart Passive Income and Ask Pat. He has two podcasts. He was just so brilliant and so nice and so willing to help everybody and wanting to listen and wanting, like, he was just amazing. But one episode stuck out in particular. And this was in May, and I remember where I was. I was in my studio, sitting on my uncomfortable Ikea chair, like one of those high bar stool ones. It has a back. It wasn't just like slumped on a bar stool, but um, still uncomfortable. And I was sitting there, my foot on my work table, in my apron, filling vials. And it was May. I was all by myself. And he had Shalene Johnson on. And I knew Shalene Johnson from my best friend, Jackie. Um, in college, we lived above these dudes that were really into, I don't know if they were having parties or they were just jamming late at night. And Jackie graduated before I did. So she had a real job. She was an accountant at a bank, a large, really crazy large bank in Pittsburgh. So she had, you know, banker's hours. She had to be up really early and leave and go to work. And she had to deal with these jerks under us that were just always jamming, playing music really loudly. So Jackie's way of getting revenge on these dudes was to do Turbo Jam, which was Shalene Johnson's workout videos. And Turbo Jam has a lot of jumping and kicks and dancing and it was really high energy. And so she would get up early and she would do Turbo Jam and just like beat the crap out of the floor, just stomping, jumping, and twirling. And so that was my introduction to Shalene Johnson. Uh, I knew her as a kind of like a fitness guru and fun, perky blonde woman. Uh, but I didn't know that she was turning, I don't want to say to a business coach, because she doesn't really do personal coaching, but you know, like helping other businesses. So I, I hadn't realized she had done that. And when I listened to that podcast, I saw that, you know, Smart Passive Income with Pat Flynn, this episode's about Shalene Johnson. I was like, oh, I know her. She's probably going to talk about fitness or Shakeology or whatever thing she's hawking now. And instead, her episode was about how she became burned out because she did it all. She did all the videos and she did all the music and she did all of the design for the clothing and all the sourcing and all of, you know, promoting and everything and how she had just sacrificed so much because she was unwilling to let go. And it began to take a toll on her marriage and her family life. And, and she just said, nope, no more. That's enough. And she started to work her way out of it into this job that she loved instead, which was, you know, helping other business owners succeed and teaching them how to grow their mailing lists and develop their tribes, things like that. And I'm listening to this episode about this powerful woman who is loved by everybody, who had done everything on her own and burnt herself out. I was listening to that as I was filling this order for 42,000 vials by myself. And like, if that's just not a smack in the face, I don't know what is. And that's when I decided, like, what am I doing? This isn't making me happy. This isn't it. 
And that's when the cracks started showing for me. That's when I liked feeling busy all the time. It made me feel like I was being productive. And I would go home and tell my husband about my day. And I didn't realize that I was complaining. I was just telling him how busy I was so that maybe he felt like I was doing something productive and I wasn't just sitting around watching It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia for the 86th time. You know, I'd like if I told him all these things I was doing, then he would be really proud of me because I was getting so much work done. And so it was during one of those days that I had said all of these things I was doing to him. And he said to me, you know, Meg, it doesn't sound like you like your job. And that just like, what are you talking about? Of course I love my job. I, I love what I do. This is amazing. Isn't this amazing? Is it? And that kind of stuck with me. And then another time I was talking to one of my friends who's also in the industry. I was talking to her about, you know, just like the run of the mill stuff that you complain about when you're a business owner. And I had said some sort of commiserating joke. I don't remember what it was. I wish I still had that text message. Or maybe it was in person. But I had said something like, yeah, I wish you could just quit. And I think I was kind of trying to feel her out to see if someone else was feeling this way too. But she said to me, no way, this is, I love what I do. I can, this is my dream come true. And I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> me too. But I was like, I thought, wait a minute, why, why am I not saying those things? Don't I love my business too? It was just a culmination of these little events. And it's one of those things like you don't notice until it's always constant and you start to pay attention to it. So I want to say since 2014, I have had this pain in my right shoulder and it feels like I broke my collarbone or something like that. Like it is serious. It's, I can't move my arm. It sounds funny that I would have to have my husband take my shirt off at the end of the day, which, you know, bow chicka bow bow. But no, I actually, I could not lift my (laughs) arm above my head. So he would, I'd have to get down in like this bent over Superman pose basically. And he'd have to take my shirt off for me so that I could get ready for bed. And I went and I got x-rays done and I went to an acupuncturist and I got massages and nobody could figure out what the problem was. And that's when I knew that this little thing that I had in the back of my head was, I kept thinking like, maybe this is all from stress. Maybe this is all psychosomatic. And the fact that no professional, no matter how much money I was paying or tests I was getting done or pinpricks or rubs or oils, whatever, nobody could get this to stop. Nobody could fix it. I knew it was psychosomatic. I knew that I was doing this to myself. So it's 2015. It's May. I know that 2017, we're leaving. I know that I have to do something with my business. And that's when I thought, I'm done. I can't. I don't want to do this anymore. This isn't a business I love. This is a job I hate. I hate that I'm always chasing money. I hate that I'm in debt. I hate that people don't value my livelihood. I hate 
dealing with corporate buyers all the time that want lower prices. Don't they know that this is how I pay my bills? This isn't crazy profits. This is my life. This is my livelihood. And I have to bite my tongue and not tell them to go screw themselves because I have to establish this relationship. And, and I have to be okay with people not answering me or not treating me like a person. They just, I was so done guys. I was so done. And that's when it started to settle that I needed something else in my life. I was 31. I needed to do something else, but what could I do? And I don't say this for like ego stroking or, you know, calls cries for attention or anything like that. Um, but I felt like I'm not good at anything. I'm not, you know, I don't have any corporate experience. I don't have, you know, I learned how to do web design, but I'm not really that great at it. Like that I could require a high salary, high enough for us to live off of. Um, I'm good with my customer service because they're my people, but I don't think I'm amazing at anything. And I tried, actually, I tried to get a couple jobs. I tried to get like telecommute customer service positions and not even those people would hire me. So I don't know. I like, I just couldn't do this. I couldn't, I wasn't good at anything enough to garner a livable wage from. And so I had to think about what is my special thing? What is my special purpose? Like the jerk, but not sex. What do I contribute? And I started thinking about what my friends come to me for. And they come to me because I know a lot of stuff. Uh, I have one friend that would call me her own personal Wikipedia. And I have other friends that would come to me when they had questions about like, what's the FDA regulation for this? Or who's your packaging guy? Where are you getting your labels? All of this stuff. And I was like, maybe that's my special purpose. Maybe it's not skills I have per se, but maybe it's the knowledge that I have. And maybe that can help other people that aren't just my friend group and consequently my competition because my friends are my competition. How do I pivot to this? And I started to get really excited, really excited. I was like, this is this is what I want. This is, this feels so fulfilling. This is awesome. And so I took Handmade Brooklyn, which is a blog I've had since 2009. I started it when we first moved to Brooklyn and it was originally supposed to catalog like all of the handmade artists that they met at shows. And it was actually supposed to have three people in it. And those other two people, bless them. I love them so much, but they were flakes and they, flaked off, which is totally fine, obviously, because this is what has happened to Handmade Brooklyn. Um, I took it and I totally rehashed it. And I was like, this is going to be my brand. This is going to be where I teach everything that I've learned. I have taught my friends that are in my industry so much and I've given them so much of an advantage. I think a different person would have listened to their brain when their brain was like, shut up shut up, stop telling everybody everything. But I felt so compelled because I wanted to help. It's how I felt valuable and I felt wanted by helping people and telling them what I knew. And so that's why I was like, okay, okay, I'm going to close this down and I'm going to focus on Handmade Brooklyn and I'm going to help everybody that comes there. 
if anybody needs help and they come to me, I want to be able to help them. So, but I had this order. I had to finish. So I did. I finished the order in like October and that's when holiday season started. And I knew, you know, my company was small, but it was still like a steamship where there's all these moving parts and you can't just turn it and miss the iceberg. You know, it's got all these, there's no sudden 90 degree turns. It has to stop slowly. So I told my husband and told my family, my plans. And I don't know if Steve was surprised. Um, I know my family was, I think that Steve was relieved actually when I told him that. And I started setting forth on figuring out how to close my business. So holiday season comes and goes, and it was all right. January comes and I start really focusing on liquidating my stock and stopping making product. But I'm not telling anybody yet. I'm not telling, I told a couple of friends that were close to me. I told Laura Fisk of Fisk and Fern, who you guys have heard before. Uh, she's my accountability this year. And I told her my plans and she was totally behind it. And she was really excited for me. And she helped me focus on building up Handmade Brooklyn and focus on, you know, doing this duality of slowly turning out one business and slowly turning up another business and like how the levels change on that. And she really helped me with that. Um, so January is when I started really taking action on this. And it wasn't just a thought in my head anymore. It wasn't just a fantasy. It was like, it's go time. My lease on my studio was up in May. It, well, it's still up in May. And my plan was to renew it for the remaining six months of 2016 and then close at the end of holiday season. And the more that I thought about it, the more I started thinking, I don't want to wait that long. God, that is so long. I don't want to do it. And nobody's making me do it. So what am I doing? So instead, much like our escape from New York was ramped up a year, I ramped up closing my business by the time my lease was up at my studio. Now I know that I will most likely still have products, but I worked with a warehouse here to store them for me and do my shipping. And they will be taking that over once my studio closes. But then, you know, I say that I was closing my business, but it was still out there in the ether. Like I could still turn back, you know, I could still, I hadn't told anybody. I hadn't made any kind of, um, financial moves or official things. I had just told people, a few people, and I don't know. I just, I knew that I needed to get out in the world more. Uh, the world of, you know, entrepreneurial help. And how could I do that? I could tell people my story because I feel that my story on pivoting from maker to teacher is something that either I don't see a lot or I feel like people are afraid to say that it's not enough for them. Their business isn't enough. It's not fulfilling. And I think a lot of people are afraid to walk away. And so I wanted to be someone that was like, 
you know, I've talked about my failures on having Brooklyn before, and I'm going to do it again. I'm going to say, this is not a failure. This is what I did. I built this award-winning company, and I'm walking away from it because I don't want it anymore. It's not enough for me. It's not what I want in my life. And I want to help other people feel that way if that's what they're feeling. It's okay to feel that way. So how am I going to do that? Oh, my God. Well, I'm going to. I found this thing on outlets that will pay at least $50 for your essay, story, blog post, whatever. And I found one for ExoJane. And if you don't know ExoJane, ExoJane is the publication that the editor of Sassy Magazine back in the 90s uh, has turned into. And I thought, like, this is really cool. This is a way that, one, I can get paid. Awesome. But two, I can reach a pretty big audience of women that might be feeling the same way I do. I don't know if they are, but it'll be out there. And I wrote it. I wrote it in February. And I thought that they probably get ridiculous amounts of submissions. So by the time they see this, if it'll probably be like April. And that's even if they respond, if they're interested. So I got time. I'm not worried about it. Submitted my pitch. My, I actually submitted the full story in February on a Friday. And on a Sunday night, that Sunday night, they emailed me back and said, we want to publish your story. And I was just like, oh, what have I done? You know, you know that thing you see in movies or TV shows where like, they'll zoom in on the character and the background kind of fades away. That's what I felt like happened. Like, Oh my God. Oh my God. This is, this is way too fast. What am I going to do? This is not what I was planning. This was way earlier. And, but I decided like, what am I waiting for? This is the go time. So I submitted it for final publication and at the moment, it's still not published. And I, they kind of put me on this like motivation roller coaster where I was like, I don't, I don't have time for this. I am launching perfect product copy as like the segue from my one business into the other business. And they're not publishing it. I need to get asses in the seats. I need people to know my story and know I exist and get on my mailing list and buy my products and all of this stuff. So where can I go? Who else would be interested in my story? And I was listening to another podcast. Um, and I'm sorry, I forget your name, but I know him as rich 20 something. And he had that he had gone on Huffington post and that had been a big deal for him. Huffington post doesn't pay. Just get that out of the way. But I knew that that would be a really good way to, to get people to learn about me, to know me. And it would just be a great way to start this off as seen on the Huffington Post. You know, like, awesome. Let's do that. So I emailed the women section editor and then she didn't respond to me. So I emailed the business section senior editor and, <laughs> and actually I, I've had I've talked to him before on Twitter, so he sort of knew who I was, I guess. And I said to him, hey, I have this idea for a pitch, but I'm not sure if it should go to you or should go to women. Can I email it to you and get your opinion? He said, sure. 
So I emailed it to him and he gave me some feedback and I was like, okay, great. So set me up with an account. And he said something like, oh, that's, that's not what I do. You're going to have to talk to the other editors. <laughs> great. Great. So I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm impatient. And so do you know, this is so silly. It's a Friday again. I haven't heard. So I just went for it and I emailed Ariana Huffington and I said, hey, Ariana, I have this idea for a story. Blah, blah, blah. Here's my story. Here's why I think it would be great for your readers. But I'd love your advice on who to pitch this to. And I had done this knowing that other folks have emailed her and she has responded and set them up with blogger accounts and maybe they feel like this is the way that she gives back to them. This is actually what the rich 20 something dude had said. So I went for that. I was like, I'm just going to go for it. Email Ariana Huffington, see what happens. And this is a Friday and Sunday afternoon. Why is everybody working on Sundays? This is crazy. Sunday afternoon. I get an email from Ariana Huffington saying, Megan, thank you so much. We would love to publish your story. CC my blog editor who will take care of everything. So I went out and bought a bottle of wine. And it was, well, I bought a lot of bottles of wine. I'm not going to lie. And my husband and I celebrated. And then, so she had some that Sunday. And I think like Tuesday afternoon or maybe Wednesday morning, I finally got info from the blog editor on how to set up my account and all of these things. And I saw that in their list of guidelines and regulations, that they have about a 24 hour window from submission to publication. And that is way sooner than I thought it was. I thought it was going to be something like, like exo chain. I thought it was going to be something like a couple weeks, a couple of months, but I saw that before I submitted my entry and I wrote my story. I pitched it to the women's section, but I saved it as a draft. I did not submit it. And it sat there for like two weeks. And I, I talked to Laura Fisk my accountability buddy. I talked to my mastermind group about it and talked to Steve about it, my husband, about what am I waiting for? Well, I think I'm just afraid. I think I'm afraid of this is me turning the steamship. This, there's no turning back from this. Once I put this out there, I am closing business. That's it. And I'm scared. I'm really scared. I'm scared of letting people down. I'm scared of going, jumping off into this world that I have no idea about. I just know I want to be there because I feel like I have something to offer. I don't know what this means and I'm afraid to do it. And of course everybody was like, stop it. Just do it. Stop it. This is what you want. And I said, yeah, I know. And as I've talked to you about before I'm launching perfect product copy, on March 15th. And I knew that this is what I wanted. And so if I got more people to view it, I would get more people in the class, right? That just makes sense. So I turned my fear away from fear of what was going to happen to about to miss an opportunity for more. So I kind of closed my eyes and I hit submit and it went live. It went into the queue for publication and I sent screenshots of that to everybody. <laughs> um, and I knew that 
I had made my choice. And uh, this is the part that I get emotional. It went live, I think, maybe two days after that. It went live in the women's section. And I felt my heart race. I, I felt like I had trouble breathing. I'd almost felt like a panic attack. But the most exciting panic attack I've ever had. And I posted it on Facebook. I posted it on my personal Facebook. Like, well, the cat's out of the bag. You know, it's on the Huffington Post. Maybe you've heard of it. But... This is it, and now that it's out there, I feel like I should make a personal statement and say that I love this, I'm excited about this, I hope that you'll be excited for me too, because this is a big moment in my life, and yeah. So I posted that on my personal Facebook, and I th I'm still in shock about this. I got so much positive feedback. Like, you know how your friends on Facebook with people from high school that you haven't talked to since high school, but you're just friends with them. To, I don't, I don't even know to stalk each other, I guess. I got like messages from these people saying, I love you, Meg. You're so brave. I wish I was brave enough to start a business, much less walk away from one or all of this really at like 30 comments from people that, run the gamut of people I talk to all the time to people I don't talk to ever just saying like, this is amazing. Congratulations. I'm so proud of you. I love you. And it was just, Oh my God, these, I haven't felt this kind of love. All of this people, it was really touching and surprising and amazing. It was just a really good moment and it's still a really good moment. And I hope I get to hold on to that feeling. Yeah, I love that. And I love everybody that actually took the time to say, like, I had no idea you you were going through this. I'm so happy that you're happy. You're going to be a great success in your next venture. Excited for you. All of these things. And I was just like, wow, I just thought I would get a couple of Facebook likes. I didn't think I would get this kind of response from people. And that's that. Now it's out in the world. So... Going from that, that's my story, and I can't believe it took that long to get here. I want to talk about what might be going through your head, or what you wonder is going through my head, and I want to address those questions. One, aren't you worried about other people? I, I wish I could say 100%. I don't think about that, but I do. I have thought about it. I haven't thought about it as intensely as I would have a couple years ago. I thought about it instead. Weirdly enough, I thought about thinking that I need to address this on my podcast. I know that there are going to be haters out there that are like, well, obviously she's closing. She couldn't hack it or reveling it and not believing me when I say I'm happy and I'm excited about this. And I feel like those people are just going to nasty no matter what like I could scream in their face that I'm excited and I'm happy and they're not gonna believe me so screw them I don't have time I don't I gotta close this business and run this other business I don't have time I don't care these people don't pay my bills so they can get together and they can gossip about me mazel tov I don't give a fuff that's right I said fuff I'm keeping it clean I don't know what other questions you guys have. I, I just assume that's the main one. 
Um, what are you going to do with all your stuff? I've been selling it on Craigslist and eBay and stuff. I mean, like all of my um, storage and my stainless steel tables and, you know, duction sealers and all that stuff that's been on eBay and Craigslist. My products, I've been working with flash sale sites to liquidate the stock. Whatever's left over, I will be transitioning from over to Etsy so that it can just sit there and I can focus on just promoting it there. Hate to say that because I do love Shopify so much. I really do. They have been amazing and they will still be amazing. And I will continue to support them and tell anybody and everybody that they should be on Shopify. But I'm moving over to Etsy just so that I can reduce my monthly costs. <sighs> so when we're doing my products, they're all going to a warehouse that will handle my shipping and the holding of it so that I won't have my studio anymore. My physical studio is going to another candle maker who I love. His name is Zach and his company is empireapothecary.com. You should check him out. He's amazing. And he's a really cool guy, so I'm really happy that he's going to be taking over my studio space. I don't know what else, what other questions you guys might have. I figure that the main one would probably be like, what do you, what do you think about what other people think? And I don't care. Whatever. They can do whatever they want. I can do whatever I want. I don't see them. If they want to come say something in my face, come say something in my face. I've had so much love and positivity and warmth and happiness and all these other optimistic words that have come from people that I would never, like, you could have said, I will give you $8 million right now if you can name three people from your past that will show up and say that they're proud of you and that they love you. I would have never said people from high school. Wow. So that's that. Um, I do feel like I've let my customers down for MSC. I'm not going to lie about that. I have to send out the email soon saying that this is happening. Um, I've made some really great relationships with a lot of my customers, and I know that some of them will be sad that my products are going away. I hope that they'll be happy for me because I'm not going to lie to them and say like, oh, this was uh, a merger or something like that. Oh, that's probably another question I should answer. Um, why am I not selling it to another company? So when I decided that this was going to happen, when the sale, uh, the closing was going to happen, I talked to a broker actually, and <laughs> I feel a bit like Willy Wonka with this because the people I talked to that had interest or the process I felt like none of them were really pure of heart on what they were going to do with the business. And I felt like, like Willy Wonka, like I, none of these people were going to do what I would hope that they would do with the company. I just didn't feel, I just didn't feel right. I don't know. It's nothing that any of those people did wrong. Exactly. It was just something I was like, no. So what am I going to do with the company? Well, the physical, actual tangible company is closing but I still know a lot of stuff, right? I still know a lot of contacts and I still have my formulas. My formulas won a boatload of awards and they have really good reviews on Birchbox and Goodbox and all of these places that have reviews. They're all really stellar reviews. I can use that. How am I going to use that? So I am bundling everything. I'm bundling everything. My formulas, my sources, my pricing formula, anything that I know that is mine. I'm bundling it into a package and anybody can buy it. 
you can have a beauty business in a kit ready to go. It's going to be at beautybizpro.com. You can check it out. It's not ready for release yet, but you can get on the mailing list actually and get a pre-buy special price. But it's going to be for everybody. I want to give it to the world. You can all have it. You want to learn how I made my scrubs? There it is. Are you one of my haters and you want to know what's so special about my lip balms? Give me money. You can have it. I don't care. Godspeed. Are you trying to start your own business and you don't even know where to begin? Where are you going to get good packaging prices? Where are you going to get custom vials or who does, who does the best labels? You can have all that info. I have all that info. Come to me, beautybizpro.com. I'll bundle it all in a kit. Use it all. Use none of it. I hope it makes you a billion dollars. Oh my God. I would be so happy if you just love my products and you want to do them yourself, just buy the kit. I'll show you how to do it. I will show you everything. There's not going to be, there's no point in me hiding any information. You know what I mean? If you want to know the, what was in the agave nectar and green tea, what was that smell? It's right there. There's the ratios. There's the percentage of essential oils. Go for it. I feel like that's a great way to end my business. It's just, I made everything because I wanted my customers to like it. I would listen to them when they wanted products. Grapefruit and Spearmint exfoliating body scrub. That was totally a customer suggestion. I would have never thought of that combination, but somebody else did. And it became one of my best selling products. And so I just, I feel like it's just a great bookend for it. It's a, it started because I wanted things, <laughs> I wanted things my way and I wanted products that I wanted. And then I started listening to other people and making things for them. And so to package this all and sell it to anybody that wants it instead of like one company, who knows what they'll do with it. I don't want that. I want it for everybody. And so that's what I'm doing with it. And that's what beautybizpro.com is going to be about. I hope you'll check it out if that's something you're interested in. But that's my story. That's, that's the longest story I've had on this podcast. And I'm excited. I'm glad. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the experiences I've had. I'm thankful that I have this opportunity. And I'm thankful for you guys. Thank you so much for listening I'm going to be back next week talking about going back to investing in yourself and things that are important about investing in yourself. And we're going to knock that out of the park because I have invested in myself to grow Handmade Brooklyn. And I want you to invest in yourself to grow your own business. But in the meantime, thank you so much for listening to my story. I hope it inspired you. Let me know, subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Let me know what you thought about this episode. That would be amazing. Until next week, take care, guys. Handmade Brooklyn.